It's Monday, April 17th, 2017. I'm Charles Sharetta and this is SIT. That's been a long time since I've done an episode. Thank you for your patience. Uh, the construction around my place continues and it's it's been disruptive. So it's, my studio is not quiet right now, but I'm doing the best that I can with that. It's tax day here in the U.S. So if you haven't already gotten your taxes done, good luck with that. And that is not a pleasant experience for me. I'm of the opinion that we are taxed without appropriate representation, unless you're extremely wealthy, unfortunately. We'll save that story for another day. Or a different sort of podcast. We are on chapter 36 of the Tao Te Ching. I'm going to read from Dwight Goddard's translation. He likes to he likes to give titles to the chapters and he titles this one Explanation of a Paradox. Here it is. That which has a tendency to contract must first have been extended. That which has a tendency to weaken itself must first have been strong. That which shows a tendency to destroy itself must first have been raised up. That which shows a tendency to scatter must first have been gathered. This is the explanation of a seeming contradiction. The tender and yielding conquer the rigid and strong, i.e., spirit is stronger than matter, persuasion than force. The fish would be foolish to seek escape from its natural environment. There is no gain to a nation to compel by a show of force. That's sort of timely, isn't it? Okay, find a comfortable position for yourself that is also upright. Gonna challenge you to open your your chest up in such a way that you are making connection with your heart. Let your breath come from your belly. Just settle in right now. Feet on the floor if you're in a chair. Let your knees touch the floor if you're on a cushion. And we will sit for 10 minutes. wherever your awareness is right now. 
if it's on your breath, that's good. See, see if you can deepen your awareness of your breath. If it's not on your breath, bring it back to your breath. Just maintain your focus. As you maintain that focus, you can also be aware of whatever else is going on around you as well. You're not focused on your breath to the exclusion of everything else. But you don't need to let anything else concern you either. Imagine that everything is okay just as it is. You don't need to be anywhere or do anything or change anything because you're already here right now. For now, your existence is enough. Your only responsibility is to keep your focus. And exist.
if you've become aware of tension. See what you notice about that tension as you draw some component of your focus toward it. Let it relax. Does fear come out? I know for me, that's the most prominent thing. When I relax tension is that there's fear. Maybe that's what you notice too. Maybe not. Maybe it's something else. What is it that you notice as you relax the parts of yourself that are tense? Now, if your attention has wandered, just bring it back to your breath. Without controlling it. You are alive. And you stay alive without conscious effort on your part. In other words, your ego doesn't need to work for you to stay alive in this moment.
It's been a long time since I've done this. I fell off the wagon. And that's hard to admit. I fell off the wagon because it became inconvenient to do these podcasts because of all the disruption. And I knew that they wouldn't turn out uh, well, wouldn't be able to be listened to with all the background noise, so I stopped. And then that stopping went on for longer than the disruption. It's interesting how that can happen to us, isn't it? Sort of giving up. It has characteristics that are similar to procrastination. And what I notice about procrastination is that it's like the walling off of something in the mind. Avoidance. Avoiding that which is painful. Or which might be painful. And and I think the, the pain is often not so much the act itself, but the pain for me very frequently is in facing the fact that I broke some commitment to myself. Or even if I didn't break the commitment, that it feels that way. And going back to it requires facing my humanity, facing my flaws, my weakness. The, the word that pops into my mind when I think about how it feels is icky. I think that ickiness is like a precursor to shame. I wonder now, as, as you're sitting here listening to me, does it make you uncomfortable to hear about it? To reflect on those situations in your life in which you've avoided, procrastinated, or given up. I feel really raw, almost like uh, I'm confessing something. But I want to be clear, that's not... uh, I don't advocate confessing. It's my opinion that the relief that people get from sort of admitting themselves to be worthless sinners is uh, just setting themselves up for another instance of that, of, of feeling unworthy again. There's a shitload of noise here in my little studio, and it's really frustrating for me. It makes it hard. It makes it hard to sit here and want it to be better. Perfectionism. That's another aspect of this avoidance. Does that show up for you too, wanting things to be perfect? It does for a lot of people. I know that much. A friend once said to me, and and this really stuck with me, Anything worth doing is worth doing badly, which I thought was just brilliant. I hadn't heard it before that. I don't know whether she came up with it herself or not, but uh, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. Great advice for a perfectionist. And you, can I be with however we are, with all our imperfections, our failings, you know? Just be with that and live our lives fully and completely, even though we might not be the best at something. Hmm. All right, let's reread chapter 36 here from Goddard's translation. 
explanation of a paradox, he calls it. That which has a tendency to contract must first have been extended. That which has a tendency to weaken itself must first have been strong. That which shows a tendency to destroy itself must first have been raised up. That which shows a tendency to scatter must first have been gathered. This is another chapter that points to the yin-yang nature of things that most people associate with Taoism. What contracts must have been extended. What weakens must have at one time been strong. Another way to look at it is that there's a cycle to everything. That all actions are not a chart with a graph that goes up and to the right forever. We're born, we live out our lives, and we die. Expansion and contraction. We will not be here in these forms forever, but we are also part of a cycle ourselves. But it takes some discipline in order to see that in modern society. There are are often too many distractions for us to be aware that that's the case. Right now I can hear a plane and a fire engine, and I have a cell phone in my hand that has a translation of a 2,500-year-old text on a screen that I move with my thumb. And of course, that seems like evidence that, that all things progress, advance. People misinterpret evolution this way as well. The second verse says, This is the explanation of a seeming contradiction. The tender and yielding conquer the rigid and strong, i.e. spirit is stronger than matter, persuasion than force. The fish would be foolish to seek escape from its natural environment. There is no gain to a nation to compel by a show of force. What's the connection between those two verses? So if the first one is talking about the natural cycles of things. What's the connection between that and the tender and yielding overcoming the rigid and strong? Well, it's also a theme of the Tao Te Ching, isn't it? I'm reminded of the the chapters on water, how water overcomes even the hardest of rocks. Spirit and persuasion rather than matter and force. So how are matter and force, like the idea of unending progress, what are the similarities between force and eternal progress? What do we even mean when we say progress? See if you can ask yourself that right now. What does progress mean? And I'm sure you have some, some really quick answer, but look more deeply. See if you can watch your own answer to that. Is progress, as we define it in our culture, like force? Does it require force? I would say it does. The fish would be foolish to seek escape from its natural environment. Hmm. A fish would also be foolish to poison its natural environment. A fish would be foolish to try to walk around on land and in the process asphyxiate And a human would be foolish 
to poison the air and in the process asphyxiate, or to go somewhere where there is no air. There's no gain to a nation to compel by a show of force. Yeah, as I said earlier, timely, huh? Can you protect human rights by killing people? Can you threaten people, bully them into enlightenment? Are you enlightened? Are you democratic? Are you egalitarian if you do those things? It's a Monday, dear friend. So let's set aside 30 seconds for a bit of gratitude here right at the end. What I like to do is begin with something small that I'm grateful for. And over the course of that 30 seconds, work through another two or three things, ending on something more general. So for instance, I might start off by being grateful for the chair that I'm sitting in and end on my health or people that I love or the moon, the sun. Those are all possibilities. They're not suggestions. They're just what I might do. So why don't we begin 30 seconds? And if you need more time, you can take it throughout the day today. It's always good to be grateful. There's a lot going on that's pretty unpleasant in the world right now. So it's good to remind ourselves that we, we have things to be grateful for. Let's begin. All right, that will do it for today. Thank you for the gift of your attention. Hang in there, friend. And thanks for sitting with me. Have a good day.